0: Well, good morning. It is good to see your faces this morning. It's nice to be seen as well. Thank you very much. Thanks, thanks. Have you ever been given a gift and wondered if the person ever actually knew you? They give you it and you're like, what is this? Or maybe you're sitting on the other end and you've, you've been given a gift and you're like, this person knows me. It's what I've always wanted. They must really love me. Have you received those kind of gifts before? The ones that you're really struggling to know if the person ever really knew you or knew about you and ones that made you feel so loved and valued. Well, if you know about love languages, there's five different love languages, and one of them is the, is giving gifts. Now, the love language of gift-giving in my family is uh, to say not strong um, or non-existent would be another word. And my mum has always said to me, she's like, I'm so grateful you kids weren't into gifts because you would have felt so unloved as children. But but we did, but every Christmas we would, we would give and we would exchange gifts. And to make it kind of as something fun that we would all kind of buy into, we started theming Christmas gifts. I don't know, maybe you do this in your families as well. So every Christmas we would be given uh, a theme and we'd be given a money limit. So then everyone's lists, everyone's names are compiled into a big list and the list is sent out to the family so everyone knows who's buying for who and that, you know, if you're desperate to, you can trade with someone else as long as they're not buying for you. But each year, there would be a theme. Like one year, it had to be recycled or upcycled, the gift that we were given. One year, it had to begin with the first letter of the person's name that you were buying for. One year, it had to be bought from a certain store. One year, it had to be handmade. Uh, This Christmas, we have to uh, have purchased the gift that we're buying for someone else from Marketplace. But one Christmas, I remember... I can't remember exactly what the theme was, but it must have been something around household usages. It had to be something you could use in your house. And as Uncle John unwrapped his, the whole room burst out laughing because he'd received, if the limit was $30 that year, he'd received $30 of toilet paper (laughs) in this giant box. And everyone thought it was hilarious. And then eventually, as everyone calmed down, we all turned to, to Uncle Trev. And Uncle Trev had this, long tube-like thing. In my memory, it must have been two or three meters long. And it was kind of about as round as a baked bean tin. And everyone sat looking at it, going, what is this gift? What could it possibly be? And what could he possibly use something like that in his house for? It sat right in front of him, and yet its purpose and use and its enjoyment couldn't be fully realized until it had been unwrapped. And identified. So as we all settled back into our seats to watch Uncle Trev unwrap this giant tube-like structure, I'd mentioned that it was about the size of a baked bean tin round. There's a good reason for that, because it was, in fact, $30 of baked bean tins stacked on top of each other in a giant tube. The room then burst into laughter, and we moved on with the gift giving. This last few weeks, we've been on the series of Engage, of re-engaging with the Holy Spirit. And if you haven't been with us the last few weeks or you've maybe missed out on a few over lockdown, I encourage you to go and find us, Life Church Christ.Church on Facebook, on YouTube, um, maybe wherever you listen to podcasts or on the app even, and catch up on the last few weeks and what we've been exploring as an opportunity to engage with the Holy Spirit. But over the next few weeks, we're going to start picking up and speaking into spiritual gifts. These are the gifts and abilities given to his people, to God's people, by the Holy Spirit for the expansion of God's kingdom. They're a little bit like a tool belt, a thing of resources that we can use, a range of tools that we can use to help expand and build the kingdom of God, to outwork the mission that he's given his church, to equip us to work out what he has told us to do Romans 12.6, beginning of it in the New Living Translation, puts it this way. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. For doing certain things well. He's given you gifts and abilities, skills, that you can do really well. He's given me, probably less than you, but he's given me a few things that I can do relatively well. I think I can cook quite well. I can sit in the sun and drink my coffee quite well. Some would argue slowly, but I, I, I do drink it. I have the ability to ski, and I love doing that. I love being de- designing things and being creative. I would say I do large groups of people well. I love connecting with people and talking with people. I would say it's a gift that God has given me, I do not do on my own very well. I'm too much of a people person, but I'm working on that. But we all have natural gifts, talents, and abilities. And each of these are actually given to us by God. You don't have to be a Christian, someone who follows Jesus, to be talented or gifted. But, we're, but, but all these gifts are given to each of humanity, to all of humanity, Is part of the unique way that God has designed and formed and created you. But spiritual gifts are given to us by God through the power of the Holy Spirit and are specifically used for building up, edifying the church, expanding the kingdom, and seeing lost people saved. 1 Corinthians 12.7 says this, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given... For the common good. In other words, the reason for spiritual gifts is not always a personal one, but a corporate one. To build the church, to be part of the church. And we are each gathered here, part of the church. The church is God's plan. And as we, the church, together are the body of Christ, we're able to do so much more than we possibly could on our own. We are better together. You know, there are so many sayings, ancient proverbs that say, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to last the journey, enjoy the moments and not just speed past, then go together. If you want to build something significant, build it together. Now, I am not a builder in the practical sense. And if you've known me for any length of time, you'll know this to be true. I don't build houses. I don't build a lot of stuff with my hands. But I have some carpenters and builders in my family and some friends that were designed and created that way. So I've heard a few things about what it is to build a house. So you might have to correct me if I'm wrong after this, but I'm pretty sure that an electrician doesn't just turn up to the piece of land that's just been sold and say, I'm going to build this house. She needs framing and foundations, the trenches complete, before they can wire the house. And the concrete truck driver doesn't just turn up to the piece of land and tip concrete out on the grass. They must first be prepared by the builder, boxing put in, perhaps some gravel put down so the the truck doesn't just sink as it comes on site. And further down the track, the builder might not fit out the kitchen, instead get a joiner with some specifically trained skills in the art of cabinet making. And even before all of that, there's an architect who interprets the dreams, the big castle ideas of the house owners, deciphering how to take their big ideas and actually make it practically possible in a little 500 square meter section that they've just bought. See, each part of the building process needs the other. Each have different roles, different skills, different abilities, educations, qualifications, but each need the other in order for the rest to complete the job and to ultimately build the home. There may be aspects of other jobs that they're able to do, things that they understand in order to do their job, but they need their gifts and educations to complete the work and to complete it well. Going back to Romans 12, verse 4 to 6 says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So if we each have natural gifts and talents, what are the spiritual ones that the Bible talks about being given by the Holy Spirit? Well, looking into the Bible, there's a whole lot of different passages that talk about gifts. But we can read a bit further down in Romans 12 and see one example of what they're talking about. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance to your faith. If it is serving serve. If it is teaching, teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Many gifts poured out on the church. And although there are several passages that talk about some of the different spiritual gifts, by no means is it all-inclusive. There are so many others Administration, apostleship, craftsmanship, discernment, evangelism, faith, giving, healing, helps, intercession, knowledge, leadership, mercy, miracles, missions, worship, pastor, shepherd, prophecy, service, teachings, tongues, interpretation of tongues, wisdom, and the list could go on. But it's often in our natural abilities that God breathes on and brings a spiritual gifting to life. As I said before, I'm perhaps not the most naturally practically gifted with my hands, but so it's unlikely that God would give me the gift, the spiritual gift of craftsmanship. It can happen, and there are examples of spiritual men, uh, biblical men and women, who have a natural gift, and what in our eyes would be given an opposite spiritual gift. But often, our natural gifts, the way God has created and designed us, is where he breathes and gives us our spiritual gifts. And no gift is more or less important than the other. No part of the body is more or less important. We need all parts. I was listening to a message that Jono, one of our pastors at La said last week, and I liked it so much I stole it. The person who built this stage using the gifts of craftsmanship is no less important than the team who stands on us and sings and plays with the gift of worship. And they are no less important than the one who stands here and shares and teaches using his or her gift. And we are no less important than the team who sits at the tech desk using their gifts of help, who is no less important than the person standing at the door welcoming you in, using the gift of hospitality, or making you a cup of tea with their strengths of serving, which needs leadership. And then we all know that if we didn't get the emails telling us when we were on the roster administration, the whole thing might never happen at all. Each gift working together to build the kingdom. And as I was praying and thinking about what gifts do I want to share on this week, what gifts do we want to start by exploring, I felt specifically for QE2, for our people here, two gifts that we would love to build as a campus. The gift of encouragement and the gift of hospitality. So what is the gift of encouragement? The gift Or exhortation of encouragement is the divine strength or ability to encourage others through the written or spoken word and biblical truth. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says this, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Hebrews 10.24 and 25 says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Time and time again in the Word, we see instructions to be encouraging, to lift up, to build up each other and to build as church. Some of you will know that for many years, I've been involved in all kinds of different kids ministries from youth drop-in centres on a Friday night to kids camps to youth groups to intermediates and once upon a time I was even a primary school teacher. And there are a few things I noticed when working with young people and it's backed up all over the place with research that kids respond so positively to encouragement. Peggy O'Mara put it this way, the way we speak to our children becomes their inner voice. Now, having worked with young people for a long time, I know that there are times and there are situations that require us to speak in another tone. If you've worked with kids or have kids, you know what I mean. And even sometimes another volume. (laughs) Let's be honest. But the predominant way that we speak to our children, I think most of us would agree, should be encouragement. I mean, when we see a young baby trying to figure out how to take a first step or how to crawl or how to roll over, they fail time and time again. And every time they fail, we don't point and laugh and go, loser. We don't, do we? We encourage them. You're so close. Try again. We support them. We encourage them so they know that when they fail again, when they get it wrong again, there's the support that they can get up and keep going. Is that resilience that they have the support that they need. Because as parents, as family, as friends, we encourage, we spur them on, we speak positively so that they will not give up. So how much do we need to be encouraging to those around our own lives? To speak well of them, to spur them on in their daily walk with Jesus. Maybe even encourage them to come to church. To live by the Holy Spirit. Not to condemn or guilt people, not to, or trip people up. No, oh, you got it wrong again. No. But to encourage them. I encourage you to spend time in your word. Are oh, you struggling with something? Have you looked at what scripture would say? Something's not going well. Have you spent some time in prayer? I encourage you. There's so much positive things that God has for you. Friendly is one thing, but encouragement can uplift a person from the depths of natural feelings to a moment where they can once again lift their eyes to the mountains, to believe again, to have faith again. As I read through all kinds of gifts, the gift of encouragement, I wonder, is one of those gifts that allows others to step into their calling, to the giftings that God has given them. We can encourage others to step out, to lift their eyes, to open their hands, to worship, to prophesy, to heal. To go through that list, we can encourage others, why don't you practice having faith, practice in leadership. I encourage you to explore administration. I encourage you to believe for miracles. I encourage you to start serving, to help the team. Your encouragement be the difference between someone walking through these doors and finding a place where we love and celebrate people and point them to Jesus, or the perception that we really didn't have a lot of positive things to say about the world, or them as an individual. Let us be people that encourage. Some of us are naturally encouraging people and others are naturally not. But the spiritual gift of encouragement is one I think we could all have a bit of. But we should not just encourage. We should show hospitality. 1 Peter 4, 8 verse 10 says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another. Or should I leave out the next two words? Without grumbling. Skip that. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Hospitality is the gift of divine strength your ability to create warm, welcoming environments for others. In places such as your home, your church, your office. Last week, if you were here, you you would have heard me talk about a soldier, a tax collector, and a woman with a medical issue. How one ran to Jesus and simply asked him a question. One climbed a tree simply to see Jesus and one reached out to simply touch his garments. All three Moved and responded to where Jesus was in desperation to be in proximity to the power of God. And on each of these occasions, Jesus took time to be with them, to be fully present, to not rush the moment. We might say that he took time to have a cup of tea with them. In fact, two of these three times, he went to their homes With the tax collector, he invited himself in for dinner, sat down and showed hospitality. Hospitality is one of the gifts of the Spirit. And I don't know if you've ever walked into someone's house and you just didn't feel welcome. The person was friendly enough, but there's just something about the atmosphere that doesn't really say, come in, put your feet up, grab a cup of tea. I grew up in a house where the gift of hospitality was strongly present and active. Having spent my high school years studying from home, I, didn't really, I don't really remember having a morning tea, afternoon tea, or lunch at the dining room table without at least one extra person there with us. Strangers would come to get some work done on their car because my dad was a mechanic. They'd come in the morning and not leave till late afternoon. Friends would come and visit and stay till late evening. Some of my close friends now go and visit my parents at their farm and stay with them without me. Why? Because the gift of hospitality sits on their lives. And not to make it just about us, but I believe it is one now that Sarah and I hold in our own home. I know this because we've practiced and created space where our cupboards are open. The make yourself at home is a real thing. At Life Group, I can't actually remember the last time that Sarah or I made hot drinks for anyone. Why does that matter? Because someone else just does. There's a sense of home. They don't have to ask where the tea is or where the milk is because they can just go and get it. Thank you, Lila. We make space for people. Leaving a party for us can sometimes literally take us hours because we love connecting with people, creating spaces where people feel safe to talk, explore ideas, just be and maybe have some food. Now, you might just think, oh, yeah, but that's because you're pastors. You have to do that. Absolutely not. It may be beneficial for a pastor to have the gift of hospitality, but I know some that do not. Their gifts of prophecy and teaching and wisdom and craftsmanship are much stronger than mine are in those particular areas. But we each need each other to build the church. And this is the type of church we want to build. A hospitable church. A place where anyone from any walk of life can know that they can find a place where, yes, you belong. We desire to build environments and spaces where all generations, backgrounds, and cultures can find hope in Jesus, freedom and salvation, and life by the Spirit. This is why we're building these two buildings out the back, and I promise you they will be built. A community youth space out the back, After talking with lots of local schools and community leaders and our posture as a church to create welcoming spaces for people to come in, we wanted to create a space where young people can connect, have fun and be a safe place to ask and explore questions of faith and life. One of the things the community leaders in this area are calling out for is just a drop in centre, some place for young people to come and hang out after school or of an evening got a great basketball hoop and court out the back which i'm sure will be so utilized got a pizza oven on the deck and to have a great youth space as well that can be theirs don't we just want to see this place where the community can walk in feel like they can put their feet up feel at home and when they do that questions of faith rise up in them wonderings about jesus not just so they can come and relax but ultimately so that we can build the kingdom together so that lost people will find hope in Jesus. We don't want to be a church that just meets week to week, sings some songs, and goes home after a cup of tea. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, every week people's lives transformed. People set free. Healing's happening, whether people are praying for them or just in worship. Why? Because the power of the Holy Spirit just turns up. Do you know how much easier it is for people to walk through the doors of a church if the first person's there encouraging? I'm so glad you made it to church this morning. Thanks so much for making the effort to get your kids up and get them to church this morning. Thanks so much for for calling a friend and picking them up or arranging to be picked up so that you can get here. And then you come inside and there's someone going, hey, can I, can I help you find a seat? Would you come and sit with me? We don't want people to sit alone. Can I get you a cup of tea? Can I get you a coffee at the end of the service? Maybe can I invite you home for lunch? Make a time during the week to connect for coffee. Have someone come around to visit you just because you can. In church, it doesn't have to be just people within our church. But friends, colleagues from work, to connect and build friendships that lead to talking about things of faith. I'd say that most of you are pretty friendly. Most people have, a life are able to have a life giving conversation. But the gift of encouragement and hospitality is that extra God breathed spiritual gift that makes its purpose those things that we naturally do about building the kingdom of God. Ben, would you come join me back on stage? Now I've talked about natural gifts and spiritual gifts and you may sit here this morning and and count yourself out from the spiritual gift because it's not something that you think God has breathed on for you. Sometimes these gifts need to be activated. They can lay dormant in our lives, sometimes unknown to us. If you're sitting here and go, I really don't know what kind of spiritual gifts I might have. If you go onto the lifechurch.nz website, there's a resource called Gather Point and it's a series of four videos if you're new to the church, a little bit about who we are, but if you scroll down a little further, there's a spiritual gifts test now it's not a hard test it just simply asks you a question you rank it kind of one to five as strongly to not strongly and at the end it kind of gives you an indication of these are some of the things that God might have put on your life and I encourage you if you haven't done it to go and have a look and complete it but as we make ourselves available to the Holy Spirit and allow him to breathe and release these gifts on us he will do so At the times that we need. At the right times in order for his church to be built. Would you stand with me if you're able this morning? Like my uncle Trev's gift. It sat right in front of him. This big, unknown, unfamiliar, what am I actually gonna do with what it looks like? I have no idea its use and its purpose, its enjoyment could not be fully realized until the gift had been unwrapped and identified. We're gonna make space again, as we're doing every week. In the aisleways, at the front of the altar, maybe just move a few seats along. I encourage you to move from your seats and ask the Holy Spirit to pour out His gifts upon you, to make known the gifts that you have inside you. Pour it out like that first week when Carl spoke and there was an illustration on taking the cap off the drink bottle so that the water could flow out. Last week, I encourage you to get desperate for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit responds to our desire for Him. So do we just stand in an attitude and a posture of worship and allow the Holy Spirit to come? Allow Holy Spirit to speak to you. You may be going, "I don't really know what it looks like. I don't know what it's really going to mean if I open it up. I don't know. I don't understand what it means." But I can promise you, Holy Spirit is kind. He is gracious. He will give you what you need in your time. In His time. So, right now, I just release the power of the Holy Spirit to release spiritual gifts on our people and in our church. God, we pray specifically for an outpouring of the gift of hospitality, of the gift of encouragement on our Life Church QE2 family. That when people walk through these doors, They would know what it is to have spiritual encouragement, to be pointed to Jesus, to have people that can speak life and hope, the truth of Jesus. God, that make them feel so welcome, so at home that they can ask questions of faith. They can share how difficult their weeks have been, but God, would you give us the gifts of spiritual, of hospitality and of encouragement. Release it on our people. As we sing, would you just would you make yourself available? Like the soldier, like the woman, like the tax collector. Maybe you need to move so that you can get access, be in proximity, respond, and as we move, Holy Spirit sees that movement and we'll respond. Let's worship him this morning.